Thank you to the Brack family. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Woo. There's something in my heart that always beats an extra time when I see this. It's just beautiful. And when you entered the church, I know you saw that, right? You know, the, saw the beauty. So we came in here uh, gorgeously. Uh, also, the, the sanctuary uh, is, is uh, adorned, I guess. That's the word to, to uh, say right here. Uh, this is the first... No, this is one year since I came here the first time. One year today. It's uh, I, I stepped into this church, didn't know any of you, uh, and uh, and they've asked if I would fill in for for this season when you're looking for uh, another pastor. And and the uh, first thing that I saw was the beauty of the of the decorations and, and the beauty of the church. And then I met all you beautiful, uh, beautiful people here. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. It really is. And those of you, yeah, those of you who are traveling, uh, you know, you're not the first, right? And what we're celebrating today is a young family that was traveling. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to those of you for whom this is over. And now we are beginning here, right? People have asked me, how was Thanksgiving? Uh, we had everybody in the house, so it's wild and chaotic, but a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. And, and, and that's what Thanksgiving is about. And now we enter a new season that people sometimes ask, what is it about Advent? Why is that the first Sunday of the new kind of church year? And it really comes down to this. That the coming of Christ was always the first initiative of God in his mind. That he would send his son and the story really springs from that. The whole story of God begins right there with his redemption coming through his son Jesus Christ. So everything that wraps around as you come back and do the whole story of God and all of scripture, this is the fountainhead of it all. First Sunday of Advent. Advent, of course, means coming. Christ is coming to us. And and, uh, it is generally celebrated both as his first coming and his second coming, maybe even a third coming, because he's not only the one who came, he's also the one who what? Comes. And of course, he is the one who will come in his set time. There's something very special about this. And we live in this anticipation. And I'm going to ask you this, whether you're here or whether you're there, whether you watch us on a plane coming back. If you do, share with your neighbor right there in the seat, right? Just saying. Um, I hope this will be a season where we see God do a great, great move in our midst that we see uh, every one of you will be out talking to people about this season and the importance of being with God's people in God's place, right? The old uh, statement of the covenant that God made with his people is this. I'll be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell in your midst. That's a covenantal statement throughout scripture. I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and I will dwell in your midst. And no place and no time was that more expressed than through the coming of the Emmanuel, God with us. So, um, this 
This season is a special season, and I'm going to speak to you from a different kind of a text throughout this season, right? Today, we're going to talk about gifts, the gifts that came with, with, uh, with Christmas and, and the gifts given to Christ. We'll move on and, and talk about the song of Advent as we look at that. We'll talk about the, the seven significant words that were spoken even by Jesus' mom uh, during this, this Advent season. And then we'll talk about the text that also came up here uh, about the eternal God that is coming to us through his son, Jesus Christ, that is called Everlasting Father. You know, I wondered about what to, uh, what to speak about this morning, and, and I thought, most of you all are in gift mode, yes? I mean, we heard that we have beaten all records ever in history of people buying. More have been bought this season, so even this week, beginning Friday, Black Friday, the biggest ever, Inflation, difficulties, that we get to go get, have gifts, yes? It's just something that kind of takes over and that becomes what it's all about in so many ways. And they anticipate even tomorrow, Monday, Cyber Monday, it's going to be even bigger, just huge. And we are focused on that. We come a long way since the time when gifts were something we bought because we needed, like my dad used to say, it was a lot more fun in the old days. You know, if someone had gloves on their wish list, they had to wait till Christmas to get them, right? And they'll be cold on their hands until they got them. Now we just buy some when we need them, and then we'll get something else for Christmas, right? There, there's some, something going on uh, with this here. Also, even the way we have kind of wrapped it all up and, and just it's about getting it done. You know, we look down at lists, right? We don't have to know people. We just see what they want and then we find something that is inside a price range we like. And we buy that. Not that we need to know them, not that we need to know why they want that, not because our gift is, is an expression of our love for them and our knowledge of them so that it becomes even a gift that speaks to who they are. But that's exactly what some of the gifts that we're going to look at today were designed to do, that is to speak to who Jesus is. If you have your Bibles, if you will turn, if you will turn to chapter 2 uh, of the Gospel of Matthews and and you'll find that we'll read just a few verses and, and through that or before that as you're looking, uh, I would just want to mention to you that the list of the gifts that Jesus received was very short. It's not a long list, right? It's, it is quickly kind of outlined in so many ways, right? We, we hear uh, in this story that we're going to read a little bit about three gifts that came uh, from Magi. We hear... Uh, uh, about a boy that gives Jesus five loaves and, and two fish and, and, uh, and then, but Jesus gave that away or gave that after he blessed it to, to so many others. We hear about what we talked about last Sunday. Uh, a woman comes in to Simon the Pharisee's, uh, house and, and just gives to Jesus, uh, uh, an anointing of expensive uh, oils or perfumes and she gave him her tears. We, we see 
again and again these kinds of things. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, uh, there were some that, that gave him or provided a donkey for him that he could ride in to Jerusalem right there before uh, Passover. Uh, we see when he visits with, with Mary at the end of her life in Bethany that he was giving a very expensive perfume again. He was, he was anointed uh, with this pure nard. And then, of course, Joseph Arimathea gave him a tomb. The list is pretty short. And I had to look at that. And I was thinking, of all the stuff that I give away, and of all the heart I give away, and all the life I try to give away, how much am I giving to Jesus? It's a list very short there. Too. It's so easy to kind of get things wrapped up in a different way. You know, most of what were given to Jesus at that time uh, was given to ridicule him. Right? They, they gave him a purple robe, right, to, to do just that. To ridicule him, to scorn him. They gave him a crown of thorn to bully him. They gave him a cross to kill him. But we are here at the early stages of his coming. The text we're going to read today really kind of belongs after Christmas, but it just felt so important right here in this weekend where everything is focused on gifts. Chapter 2, the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at his rising and have come to worship him. And then the story goes on and talks about they went straight to the castle of of Herod to kind of inquire there. And they were told that it was probably going to be in Jerusalem. And after hearing then the king, well, I'm down now in verse 8. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was. The star they had seen at his rising. It let them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to share with you this morning just some thoughts, really, on the significance of these three gifts. I hope that we can fall in love with Jesus again. That's the hope throughout this season, that we are not just hearing, here's the text and God calls and and he challenges us to live, but let's fall in love with Christ. See who he is. And so we look at these gifts. It says here first that they were given by people that God has sent from the east. They, They were people who were 
not Jews. They had not grown up with the stories of Old Testament scripture and the longing of the prophets. They were from the east and, and they came to bring gifts that would announce who this king was and is. They're wise men, they're called. Most translation have that. But because there's so little that are being told about them, really, of course, this is only in the Gospel of Matthew, and you don't hear it any other place. Matthew included this for a very specific purpose. He said, they need to know the importance of what's going on with the Magi from all east, from out east. All we know, really, uh, from Scripture is that they were Magi. That is, there were likely astrologers or astronomers even. There were people who were reflecting on what was going on in the world. And, and they had all kinds of practices, many of whom were straight up pagan, obviously, uh, with some of that. But they were considered philosophers and wise people who were thinking deeply about the world and what was going on. But because we know so little about them, much reflection, many thoughts... Many kind of stories, many legends had conjured up throughout history. Just like so many details in the, in the gospel story about the birth of Christ uh, that are unknown and, and people kind of uh, wrap other stories around the biblical narrative to kind of fill in, if you will. There's one uh, old legend that, that uh, suggested there were 12 wise men. Uh, and that was quickly reduced down to three because there were three gifts. So the guess was that there might have been three people also. We, we don't know uh, how many there were. The Bible says nothing about that. Uh, some have suggested also that these uh, wise men, as they're called, these magis were kings. Uh, and, and that legend kind of hit through in many ways. So even now we'll hear people call them the holy three kings. Yes, we, we see that. It came straight from a legend, had nothing to do with scripture uh, anywhere. And, and so we get this, that same legend also names them uh, that that was that that was um, Casper and, and Melchior and Balsasar. Others have suggested that, that these three came as representatives of the sons of Noah that had, that had survived um, the flood, right? So, so you got Shem and, and Ham and, and Japheth. And as such, they represent all of humanity who now comes to Christ from around the globe, not just from the Jewish people from around the globe to worship the newborn Savior. We know nothing about this. And it really doesn't matter uh, where they're coming from or, or, or whom they represent or, or, or who brought uh, what, how many there were to bring the gifts. The important thing is that we recognize the story right here explains and expresses Something very important that Matthew wanted to make sure we saw and we knew. So can I talk to you a little bit about the three gifts? First, gold. You wonder why would they give gold to someone who is in a manger? 
But there's something that is being said here. They had seen that star. They knew and they came and asked, who is or where is that king of the Jews? And so it's universally recognized that gold is a gift that belongs to the prominent and the important to royalty. We kind of know that gold is significant even today. You know, when, when stock markets go down and people get uncertain, gold prices go up, right? There's something about these things. Of all the metals that the ancient world knew, gold was the, pre- pre- the precious metal. Gold was the metal that, that could not really be, be blemished. And it was brought to the one whose life was to be unblemished not only toward other people, but toward God himself. It was, it was a metal, a wealth of treasure. And it was given to whom? To the very one, Jesus Christ, our Savior, about whom it is said that in him, You will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Just think about this, how this reflects who our Savior is. It is a gift, gold is, that people have have sought for, run for, pursued, and still do everywhere in the globe that we would have some of that because of everything that it expresses. And it was given to the one who turned everything about what wealth is really all about on his head. And he said, I have come to seek the lost. To seek and to save the lost. It, it, was, it was a metal that was considered the most durable of all metals, it still is in so many ways, and it was given to the one about whom John opens his gospel and he says, from the beginning, the earliest beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Jesus Christ is the one who, who also says even about himself when he speaks in John chapter 17. He says, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you even before the world existed. Are we getting this? Are we getting this? The firstborn, Paul says, Jesus is the firstborn. Of all creation. And they gave him the gift that expressed who they thought he was. The very metal gold that was hidden under the ground was given to the one who was going to reveal God on the earth. It's strange. You, you wonder kind of how, how they would have received this, right? Here they were, giving birth in a manger. There was no room for them in the inn. 
Not exactly in the higher crust of the social levels of society. And yet, it was a gift that expresses exactly who he is. The very one about whom it says that he didn't even have a place to lay his head. That he got this gold that belonged to the wealthy and the rich. If you remember your readings from Scripture, and some of you may not, some of you may have never heard of it, and that's perfectly fine. I, I want to encourage you to read that in chapter, chapter 10 of the first book of Kings when Queen Sheba comes up to see Kong Solomon. And it expresses exactly as she brought vast amounts of gold. You know, the son of David received that from Queen Sheba. How much more is it expressive, symbolic of, of who the true son of David really is, the one who would become king everlasting, that he received this? You know, in the 70s, they found Philip of Macedonia, the father of Alexander the Great. They found his tomb. And it was laced with gold everywhere. We've seen some of that more kind of uh, frequently. We see that about pharaohs are wrapped in gold. Gold was given to a king. And to a father of a king. It's given to the one who is to be sovereign ruler in your life. Can I ask you about this? As much as we wrap our mind and our thoughts and our activity and our energy about all kinds of stuff, and so many things and so many situations can become, quote, our king, that what rules us. May I ask you, if Jesus is your king. And I don't really want to state that as a rhetorical question. Yeah, well, duh, I'm in church or I'm watching a service online. But it's a true question. It really changes everything. We mess things up when we say, well, Jesus is my savior. That means that once I die, I'll go to heaven which is a great promise, a fantastic thing. I'll be with God forever in eternity, but that's not the point really of salvation in the now. Salvation here has to do with what pulls you out of what holds you captive, what gives you brand new life, new perspective, new ways of thinking about life itself. And what is important, that is what reveals to you who is king in your life. Let me say just, just one last thing about this kingship. Because it's so important theme throughout scripture. We don't, we don't want to miss this as we stand at the threshold of a new church year. When Jesus speaks directly and, and, and you hear and he says... 
My kingdom is not of this world. He stands in front of one of the prominent rulers, if you will, of the ancient world. And he's asked about this king of the Jews stuff. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. But you can enter it. You can become a citizen of the kingdom. How? By being born again. And declaring him king. When we're together as a church, it is the closest thing we come to the kingdom of God as we all stand together and all together praise him as king of the world. Yes. That's the kingdom of God. What is that? That is a place where people gather to declare him king and to give him glory. Isaiah, that we'll read from in a couple of of Sundays, and we did it also here earlier today. This prophet from Jerusalem, he talked about this very thing, right? When he, he speaks these fantastic words about Jesus, that he will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. And then he comes, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He's the ruler, friends. Not all the other things, not all the other people who think that they could be. Get your life to the point where you see that. The wise men saw it. The magi, with no background, no story, no upbringing that would hinder that, they saw that here is the king, the sovereign ruler of heaven and earth. I got to move on and just say, say another thing. The next thing, and I'll, I'll do that briefer than, than what we talked about gold here, but the word is frankincense. That, that is somewhat of, of a, of an incense, if you will. It is, it is being done, uh, in the temple, right? So, so there was something about worshiping God in, in, in the early temples and, and we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. May I say that right here? Every sense. Every sense and everything about us was thrown in to worship. When you've seen, you know, Jews standing in front of the wailing wall and stand like this, it's because even their body is thrown into that. The movements are thrown into that. The sense of hearing, the sense of smelling, sense of eyesight and hear, you know, with this sense of touch. All is involved, all of us, as we give ourselves to God. And Frankenstein's gave that. Smell that fragrance that reminded them that they are now in the presence of God. That, that was what that was about. And so it was, it was good. It's burned in, in the temple to, to bring that out. But it was especially done when priests were ordained and called out and dedicated to God. And, and especially the high priest. And there's so much to be said about that. If you ever have time to sit in, in one reading, to just read all of the letter written to, to uh, the Hebrews, so to speak. It, it, we call it the book of Hebrews. Uh, it, is, it is somewhat of a sermon written down in so many ways. And if what we are told in that is that Jesus was considered the high priest. The high priest. In the truest sense of this word, the one who could bring the atonement offer to God. 
All the others have been worshiping God and come with, with intercession and with sacrifices daily on their own behalf and on behalf of the people. And here came Jesus. He gave once and for all a sacrifice that would atone for sin, not his own, but all of ours. Don't miss this. When they gave him frankincense, that is exactly an expression that they have seen who he was. Jesus came, not as other high priests, but as the one and only. Not one to work in earthly kind of tabernacles, but one to work in the heavenly tabernacle. Jesus came, not to bring a sacrifice of animal blood, but his own blood to atone for sin. Are we seeing this? Imagine this. What they had seen. We don't know what happened in their mind, but we knew they traveled probably from Babylon or someplace in the east to that place. Because they knew that this child was going to be God's sovereign king and high priest. The one who can truly atone for sin. That is, you all mind our Wrongdoings, the very things that separate us from God, the things that box us down. Where can you find salvation? We know there are so many places. People are seeking, and more than ever, this is true now. We have so kind of holified, religiousified, is that a word? Religionized, whatever, that word salvation, that is like otherworldly. But the reality is that everybody is seeking to find it, yes? You know that, right? Some try drugs, some try other things, some try, you know, whatever that is. We have more illness because people feel frustrated and confused and and haunted and hurt and everything in the world. You know it. Mental illness is an all-time high. We're seeking saviors in other places than where he is to be found. And here they were coming from far east. Not knowing anything, but recognizing that here's his child. His name is Jesus, and he is the one who can truly, genuinely pull you up from that miry ground. An amazing kind of thing. The last thing they gave was myrrh. Myrrh is also kind of a spice is special in so many ways, but it was primarily used for embalming. Some of you will know that. It's kind of a strange gift. I don't know what I would have thought if, if I'd been Mary or Joseph. Um, <clears throat> what, are he, what are they doing? Giving us gifts that express mourning and grief and death. Of course, except if they saw that this was a special life whose death will have a special meaning. They gave him gold because he was a king. They gave him frankincense because he was to be their high priest, the one who could bring atoning sacrifice 
to God. And they brought him myrrh because he was the one whose death will have very special meaning. Can I round it up by saying this, friends? That these gifts are not just gifts for Christ. They come to us through him anyway. The gift that is offered us here at Christmas is more durable than any gold could ever be. More lasting, more eternal. The gift that is given to us also here during the season is the gift of time. That it will not come to an end. We're going to be with him forever. Death will not have any grip anymore. Yes? You know, we, we notice that. We, we all get Christmas gifts, yes? And we all get cards. And we get a card from someone that's in the pig and say, wait, 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 wait. Did their children not used to be newborn? What are they doing being teenagers? It's a reminder that time flies, yes? And here we have this message for us that even the fragility of our lives is not the end. Many, crisp, many fragrances, smells, if you will, come with Christmas. You can almost enter some places and it has a special smell, yes? And it smells like Christmas. Some food, special cooking, special spices that are, that are there. Just something that belongs to Christmas. There's a special aroma that goes with that. So the question is, friends, how does that work out in your life? I couldn't end this without mentioning what Paul is saying right here about this very thing. When Paul speaks of those who follow Christ, for whom everything has changed. It was not just add-on. It was not, okay, I have time for service so often. It's not like, you know, I also go to church. No, this changed everything. They thought differently. They acted differently. Their job, they had it so they could provide for themselves so they could eat and give stuff away and live out the Christian life that others may come to know the living Savior. Everything about them was that. And Paul speaks to that. He says, for God, for to God, we are a fragrance like the burning of frankincense, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing. A fragrance from our lives going up to God. Can we all stand, friends, and pray? Lord, you know the lives of each individual here. Here in this building, at home on travel, everyone listening to this. And so we ask you that you would help us again to fall in love with Christ and those who do not know him, that they may come to seek him like these wise men 
the Magi is traveling across the globe just to see the Christ, Jesus himself. May that be us. I want to invite you to come. Father, may we see that the people that you have raised up, those who are to be your people, in whose midst you can dwell, and you will delight in calling us, these are my people. There will be some here even that needs to say, God, I've been here. I need to become a full part, members of this family of God. Speak to us right now. Even as we round this moment up, in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Friends, you heard the prayer. We're asking if there are some here that need to give their life to Christ. If you're at home uh, or someplace else, call in or get in your car. We'll be here for a while. And just drive on down or just give us a call in the office. We'll love to pray with you and talk to you about Christ. Whatever God is speaking to you right now, this Christmas season, may it indeed be his story that is lived out in your life.